Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Run for the Song Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode three of Grum for the Song Podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. This episode will feature the second half of my conversation with Ryan Richards from Funeral for a Friend. So if you've only just discovered this, I would suggest you go back to episode two and check out the first half of that conversation. If you've been with us since episode one, uh, thank you very much. Really appreciate the support. Podcast is slowly building, so any shares or likes or reviews really help me out with this. You can find me on social media in a few different places. On Facebook, search for Dane Campbell Drummer. And I've also got an official Drum for the Song Facebook group there. On Instagram, Drum for the Song. On Twitter, Drum for the Song. If you've really, really, really enjoyed the content from these podcasts and think you'll enjoy them even more in the future, please consider supporting me on patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And then from there, you can pay as little as £3 a month to enjoy some exclusive benefits. There are three different tiers. There's the Smasher tier, the Rocker tier, and the Groover tier. They will all grant you access to a private Facebook group just for patrons only. And there you can meet each other. You can get sneak previews of upcoming guests, access to exclusive competitions, and advanced access to any future merchandise. If you sign up to the Rocker or Groover tier, you'll gain access to a monthly Q&A video call with myself via Zoom. And if you feel super generous and become a Groover, you will receive a monthly thank you voice message for myself via email. And I'll include your name in the description of all the future podcasts as a thank you. So now let's get back to the second half of the conversation with Ryan from Funeral for a Friend. Run for the Song Podcast. I've noticed you've had a few little musical side projects and you released one recently, didn't you? Last year. Was it maybe this year or last year? Like, do you want to talk yeah. about those? Or yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, I've, I've always, um, always liked sort of um, doing, doing, doing different things really and um, scratching different musical itches because, you know, even though I've been a drummer in a band, I do, you know, most fans know that I do the all the heavy aggressive vocals in, in in funeral and and always and always have um well after the first ep but um but yeah um so 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 i wanted to get more into that yeah a couple of years back i started thinking oh you know i wouldn't mind doing like a little project where i can just do vocals on oh, and, cool. uh, and um do something there so so yeah i started um a like a heavy uh metal thrash um thing with, uh, with with some friends of mine some super talented friends of mine um a band called subtraction and so we've only released a couple of tracks at the moment because uh we, we were starting to build ahead of steam and then covid <laughs> came in um so i haven't been able to record any other stuff but um but yeah we got got a couple of couple of tunes uh, on there it's uh it's uh yeah modern take on classic thrash i think i would uh cool probably call it yeah uh, no, that's... yeah but but yeah hopefully then 
after this all sort of dies down and I'm able to get back into, you know, we, we're able to get back together and do some stuff. Well, nice to knock out a, an EP or something like that, um, or even, even an album, you know, in the future. Yeah. It's, just, it's just something that's, that's, that's fun to do, really. Um, doing that different type of, of band that, that's sort of really focusing on the, on the, on the heavier side of things where we've always had that balance with funeral of the, of the melodic and the, and the heavy is just, it's been nice just to shout. <laughs> yeah. Shout. Yeah. Go yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, is that yeah. something you'd want to like play gigs with or eventually? I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, why not? I think, I think, um, again, you know, not to be out touring and, and, and stuff like that really, um, to any massive extent, but, um, yeah. But yeah, you know, to, to play the odd show here and there would be be, be a lot of fun, you know, be be something different for me. I'd have to Yeah, I'd love to you see know. you at the front of the stage or with a mic. I I can't <laughs> imagine, be, you know. Yeah, it'd be like uh you know, trying to work out what to do with my hands, you know, I'd be like uh I wouldn't have a clue. Old Ricky, old Ricky Bobby of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh yeah. man, I I literally that's the one thing I like about being a drummer is that I just like being hidden behind the kit and like I'm confident mm. doing it. I wouldn't want to be at the front of that stage. No. I, I think I did it a bit when I was in school and stuff. And I remember singing, I think I sang a Deftone song or something. It was bloody awful because I can't sing. But it was, <laughs> I was trying to do the shouty bits, but that sounded crap as well. But um, Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely um, a little bit out of my comfort zone in terms of, uh, you know, what to do live. But yeah. I don't know, maybe just have a few beers and, and roll with it. That's what, I think that's what a lot of singers do. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have a few questions for the drummer listeners now. Because cool. I don't think, I don't think any, you know, not everyone who listens to this plays drums, but obviously, hopefully we can get a little bit nerdier on the drums. So what yeah, man. What gear are you using at the moment or have you used with, with Fumarol? Well, I mean, I've always been, I've always been pretty like loyal to my, to, to my brands and, and, and vice versa. You know, they've always been great with me. So, I mean, I've always been a Pearl player. Um, yeah. With, with my kids always um and then sticks then always been Vic Firth and symbol has always been Zildjian um it's right from the start really uh, nice. the first ever yeah the first ever kit I bought um when I was a kid I guess I was about 11 or 12 um was a pearl was it world series um way back then it was second hand um second hand pearl world series and uh I bought her off some some guy and uh and he, he he happened to have some like um, roto toms as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I thought I thought I was uh, I thought I was like Neil Peart or something. At the time. <laughs> he couldn't 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 play anything like him. As well, still can't. But um, but yeah, you know that was, that that was my first kit then having those and um, and for, you know when when I started getting into heavier stuff, I um, sort of shelved them for a bit. I was like, oh, I don't don't need those anymore. They're you know they're a bit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not that's not heavy, you know. Um, let's get into hardcore and stuff. But then, then Settle Two released uh, the Roots record. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and they had all that stuff on it, you know. All the I was like, oh, hang on, I'll I'll go and uh, those Roto Toms from from back at the shed now, because you know, it was everyone at the time, you know, all the local bands would be covering like Roots, Bloody Roots, and that because it's really easy to play on guitar and you know just shouting Roots, Bloody Roots, over it. And then on the drums, and I was like. I thought I thought I was the I was the I was the kiddie, you know, because I was like 
was the only one who could do the like the all the, the nice. little, the yeah. little, little bits, you know. So it was, uh, so it was pretty chuffed with that at the time. But yeah, that was that, that was my first kit then, and pretty much always always played played Pearl down the years. Had some had some really nice kits um, throughout the years. You know, when the um, when the reference kits came out, um, I had one of them, um, and that was you know really really great great kit then. Um, played that for. For most of the time in the band until we did <clears throat> we did a, a third record tales don't tell themselves and um and that was a bit of a departure for us you know it was much more of a um a rock record yeah. um you know with big drum sounds and everything else so um i, I love that record for the for the record i loved that record <laughs> i really liked <laughs> yeah. it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i did too you know it was um you know it was like i say it was a departure and it was it was different for a lot of our fans but um you know, for me, it was it was like a type of music I I'd, I'd always loved, really. You know, getting to mess about a bit with um, orchestral stuff on there, you know, and and keys and stuff. Because you know, that that was my first instrument was 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 playing piano. I started playing oh. piano when I was when I when I was a young kid. Um, so I've been playing since I was small, and and um, this was pretty much the first, you know, bar a little tinkle here and there in the first two, two records, nothing much. But on the third. Um, on Tales and Tell Themselves then. It was a lot of um, keyboard and piano stuff that, that I wrote then, you know, at, at home. And so it, so it was really cool to be able to do that on the record. And then in terms of the drums then, like I said, because of the, of the type of record that we wrote, sort of called for a different drum sound, um, that bigger, um, you know, the bigger rock bonhomie sort of style uh, sizes where I'd, where I'd always been playing like... Um, I'd, I'd have been playing like a 10, 12, um, and 16, and, and always a 22 kick. It, it was always that for me. But when we did that record, I, I got a, um, a Pearl uh, Masterworks then, which was um, like a 24-inch kick, and um, and every tom was like you know two two inches deeper than than, than he'd be before. So you know, so I'd have a, a 12, 14, and an 18 rather nice. than a 10, 12, and a 16. Um, so that was really cool, and, and it was it's was, it was quite fun doing that album. We because we recorded it with um, with Gil Norton then, who had done you know he does some amazing records, Color and the Shape by Foo Fighters, being yeah. you know being one of the big ones, and Pixies and uh, and stuff like that, and um, just just loads of really cool records. But we recorded that with him, and um, we did the drums in uh, in Rockfield in in, in Wales, which oh, is cool. a legendary studio. Yeah, we did all the drums up there. <clears throat> and um you know i had that new kit then up there but um what we'd been doing before before that new kit came we'd been we'd been doing our demos in in, in a in a rehearsal place in cardiff and, and gil came down and i, and I, I was using like a, a yamaha td a td20 at the time maybe i think it was um but we did all our demos on that and um and i got really comfortable playing that and he was like oh you know these sounds are actually really good on on this and and he did have he's like oh you know should we try making a record with this and it's like i was like mm, nah, i don't know if i want to do that but what we did which was, which was quite cool we kind of um we used the td20 in it but what we did is we recorded the whole album just normal you know drums cymbals everything you know, recorded normal and we did it again we took away all the cymbals in the room and just put up the electric symbols, the, ah. the the dead the dead symbols. So I recorded everything again like that because then, of course, 
<clears throat> you don't get all the the room of the symbols. So I'm playing away, and I can hear symbols because I'm obviously they're coming from the TD20. Yeah, so I'm playing. So I'm getting the whole. I'm getting the full picture. You know, um, playing away, but um, but the only thing that's being recorded in the room is just the drums. Wow. So, you, so they're completely isolated then. So you can really ramp up the room sound on them without having to worry about, you know, the, the, the spill of the cymbals or the hi-hats or, or wherever. So we did that. And then we did it in reverse then where I played the TD20 kit, but with real cymbals and hi-hats. So wow. then, so then he mixed that together then. So, 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 you know, he put that all together. So the, the real drums on their own and the real cymbals on their own, they just didn't have any bleed. That's amazing. Either. Yeah. Right. So it, you know, it, it, um, it allowed two things then really. It, it allowed, us to be able to concentrate and and push the room sounds of the of the drums, you know, the kick, the snare, the toms, um, and really push those without having to worry about any, you know, and cymbal stuff. Yeah. And then and then you just had these really really clean cymbal sounds then because you didn't have the the kick, snare, and the toms bashing away underneath it. You just had literally, you know, like a tapping, you know, yeah. hardly audible tapping of the of the TD20 around us, so um, so yeah, that's uh, that's how we got our, our drum sound on on that record, which is which is really cool. I'll have to. Li- I'm going to listen back to that then and see if I can kind of kind of notice. I probably can. I just didn't know that before you mentioned that. So that's yeah. that's amazing. That's a cool. I've heard of people experimenting with, you know, playing like playing the drum the cymbal separately than the drums to achieve mm. that effect. But I don't think I could really comfortably do that. If I yeah, well, this to, is like, a thing. Hear, yeah, because hear the symbols that weren't there and stuff. I don't well, know that was it do because, it. because they were actually there, you know, because they were yeah. actually, you know, because um, I'd been doing all the demos for, 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 for months, really, you know, uh, between writing and, and recording the demos because I'd been playing the TD20 kit. That's where I had in the room. That's what, we, you know, we had in, in the rehearsal room, we had, we had the two kits set up, um, nice. you know, for the whole time. So we had the TD20. You know, so that we could be like talking over each other. You know, I playing something, and the guys are on you know half volume or whatever, and the the TD twenty is coming out of the PA or or I think we had you know in year thing going on. But, but anyway, you know that, that was the writing bit, and then as soon as we'd you know, got a section, and we we're like, right, we think we got that. So like, right, go over there and jump on the real kit, and then everyone just turn up, and then you know as um. Yeah, that's how we did it. So, and then, ah. and obviously, Gil was in the room for a bunch of that. And then, when we got to the recording, it's like, well, let's try that. And, uh, wow. it came out great. Yeah, the drum sound on this is um, is is banging. Yeah, sounds really good. Class. No, that's, I, I didn't expect to hear that story. So that's really cool, man. <laughs> um, you you haven't really said how old were you when you started playing drums then, and who who were your influences when you started? Yeah, so I was like. Um, so about, yeah, so about 11, 11 years old at the time in, in, in school. Um, as I say, I've been playing piano since I was about six, something like that. Um, so when I got to secondary school then, um, when I got to big school, we, um, you, know, you, you know, it is you, you, you meet different people who are into the same music as you do, you know, and you, you make friends. Um, and, and, um, and yeah, you you find out who plays who plays what instruments, and um, and you you know you form a band, you know you form your, your first band or whatever, and uh, and that's what we did um, in school. We uh, we 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 formed a band, and um, 
well, I say we formed the band. We 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 would we would have use of the uh, the science lab every Friday lunchtime uh-huh. for an hour um, to to have a jam. So we we had uh, we had one teacher called uh, called Lab Tech Dave who was. Um, you know, he was he was into his his uh, his, his metal and uh, his rock and metal. You know, we could do because he had like super long hair and everything like that. So, and um, he sort of took us like he, he like gave up his Friday lunchtime just to you know he'd sit in the science room and eat his sandwiches in there so that we could have a little jam in there. So um so I I, I was playing it on the on the piano at the time on the on the keys. You know, I'd get the get the keys from the music room so we'd be doing stuff like um. I don't know, it'd be like, you know, Guns N' Roses songs and, you know, Bon Jovi songs, things that had a bit of piano in it, you know, like, um, and whatever. And then, so, yeah, so so we'd be doing that for a while, but then the other boys, you know, I, well, myself as well, into other stuff like, you know, like Metallica and um, and Maiden and, um, and whatever, the heavier stuff. So they'd start, you know, ripping out these these songs and I'd be sort of there on the keyboard and, I'd be, and they'd be like, uh, you know, I'm kind of playing under it, but it's, it's a bit crap, like, you know. So so there was one day where our drummer, uh, he, he wasn't in on the Friday. He was off for whatever reason, sick or whatever. And um, we were like, oh, you know, oh, we'll have to knock it on the head for today. And I was like, oh, no, you know, I'll, I'll have a little, I'll have a bash on the drums. Um, so we did, you know, we went in and um, I sort of just had a bit of a natural, you know, I just knew how to, how to do it, I suppose. Wow. And, you know, we started off, like, jamming, like, you know, the same thing as most people jam first time around, like uh, smoke on the water, or <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, you know, ACDC or whatever. You know, just just keeping the old four four thing, and then <clears throat> I started playing like one of the first songs, and like um, you know, wherever I may roam, you know, by Metallica and stuff like that. And um, and yeah, you know, I started drumming in the band, and I could have kept my position there, and then moved on to like. You know, the next week we start trying to do some like Green Day stuff. You know, playing Basket Case or wherever, which is, I guess, quite advanced for a for a beginner, really. You know, but yeah. sort of, um, you know, I take my sticks home and practice it all week, just on like whatever on the table on the floor, where I, you know, just trying it. So so that when so I could play it on the Friday, and then um, yeah, kind of kind of went from there, really. So um, that was uh, that was my introduction to. The drumming at the time, and, and I sort of, wow. as, as far as far as learning how to play, then I just, I just had some videos, you know. Um, <clears throat> when I bought my first kit, the, the guy who sold me I had a couple of videos with those. Um, it's a Greg Bisonette um, tutorial video, and um, and yeah, that was that was like the, the first thing I learned off then, and would just learn from practicing other band songs, really, you know. And uh, that's kind of how it came about. Awesome. That's a cool yeah. story. So where, yeah, the, the original drummer got demoted or banned. Yeah. Or well, <laughs> I, no, I, he, he was, he was better at rugby anyway, you know, he ah, was, uh, yeah. So he was just like, Oh, whatever. I just, I just, uh, play rugby on Friday instead. You know, I don't think he was that bothered really. You know? No, no, that's fair. Enough. No. <laughs> right. so, so you're obviously you're just a bit of a natural then really. So by the sound of it. So, yeah. You know, awesome. we got into it, but I mean, it, it was one of those things where, I sort of had that kind of aptitude for it, like, but but once I bought my my first set of drums, and you know, after I'd saved up to get them and um, yeah. convinced my parents, I was I was serious about it because obviously, you know, they'd be paying me to pay for me to have uh, piano lessons for for years, and I was like, oh, you know, I what I said to them, and it's the truth, I think, you know, I was like, all those piano lessons kind of 
I think that was how I was able to play drums, you know, because I was, I, I had that, um, I suppose, grasp of rhythm and, um, yeah. and, you know, tempo and, and stuff like that. Because, you know, even when I was learning piano, you know, you had to play, you know, you had to remember things, obviously, you know, and you had to know where everything is and you had to know like the, the notations and, um, yeah. and keep to the correct tempo and, and things like that. So I said, you know, it's not been, it's not been, you know, gone to waste or anything like that. I think, you know, it's, it's helped me. Um, it's almost in a weird way, you know, taught me how to start playing drums. So, so yeah, once we did that, I mean, I, I, I practice so much, you know, I'd, um, I keep my garage, um, I keep my drums in my uncle's garage up the road. Cause he had like a, a big garage and, and we didn't have any space for it in our house, you know, but, um, it was like two stops after where I would usually get dropped off for school, you know? So, so I would go there straight from school, get off the bus, go and, and play until my tea was ready like nice. you know about, uh, about six o'clock and then uh, you know soon, soon as my mother would uh my mother would would phone my auntie and, me, and i'm knock on the shed tell her my tea was ready so i have to run home <laughs> <laughs> for my sticks yeah so it's literally every day and awesome um, i paid yeah. off then <laughs> yeah yeah got there got there in the end <laughs> so, so you can read well you can read music notation if you ever tried to learn drum notation yeah, yeah, I did for a while. Um, it, um, yeah, you know, I can, I can, I can, I can read it a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like the sort of thing where you put a sheet music in front of me and I'd be able to just, um, you know, look at it and play the thing. I'd, I'd be sort of fumbling my way through it. Um, so no, definitely no expert. Um, no, 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 yeah, yeah. My, my thing was always, I was, I was good at you know, just playing by listening, playing by, you know, I could, I could hear something and I'm pretty much, um, you know, if it was in, if it was within my capabilities, at least I'd be able to play it, you know? Uh, yeah. so I was, I was, I was good at that and being able to remember stuff. So yeah, more, more so than, more so than being able to read it. I was good at listening to someone and being able to play it. That's, that's something I, I've always said when people ask me, like how I learned or how can I learn things on drums? It's like you hear it and because there's no notes, you mm. know what a snare sounds like, you know what a kick drum sounds like. So you've just got to figure out what to do with your hands that we yeah. create the sound you hear, isn't it really? So I've well, always done that before yeah. reading notes and stuff. Uh, I don't well, know. It's, it's quite a unique instrument really where, I mean, I think more so than any other instrument probably you can, you can learn to play something without actually playing it. You know, you can like go away, you've got your sticks and well, that's what I used to do a lot of the time. I'd, um, I'd be listening to, I, I that's probably why, why I got so into the music I was listening to at the time, you know, cause I'd be listening, but I'd probably have a pair of sticks in my hands as well, you know, and I'd be like sort of like air drumming along and, and soaking it in really. And I, yeah. I'd do it now to the point where I'd, I'd be sort of air drumming, um, at home, you know, I'd be, I'd be sort of sit, might even be sitting there on my drum stool or whatever, you know, and I'd have my sticks in my hands. So that by the time it came to, you know, whenever I was able to to go and actually sit on the drums and play, I could play that song then, you know, because I'd, I'd, awesome. um, you know, I'd like practiced in my head or you know, air drummed it at home, so I could just go and and apply that straight to the kit and and do it where you know it's not as if you can a guitar and then you just pick up a guitar and you no. can play it you know so it's a, it's a completely different thing altogether so i think drums are quite unique in that way yeah know? that's i think it's one of the coolest things about 
you know tried to learn the drums you don't actually need a drum kit to yeah to learn yeah, no, things you know you know and no that's the wild thing i mean i'd, I'd be interested to um <laughs> i mean it'd be interesting to, to to know how many people actually learned how to play drums through the you know the like rock band video games and stuff like that you know those and those rhythm games and things like yeah. that because you know that gets that gets you into it you know i guess you you go in and you see in the notes coming down the screen and the stuff. Um, probably a lot of a lot of drummers were like, yeah, you know, you'd be doing this show in like five, ten years time and be like, I oh, you know, how did you start drumming? And be like, oh yeah, yeah, rock band, or rock band, Beatles yeah. rock band, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, exactly, man. Wouldn't you know, surprise me. No, not me. That's no. that's wicked, man. Um, so yeah, you know, the name of this podcast is Drum for the Song. Uh, it's yes. always kind of been my main goal. We're kind of right in and playing music. Do you, yeah. have, do you have any advice or tips for other drummers when it comes to writing their own drum parts? Yeah, I, th I think um, I think you know the two main things are you know, don't don't go overboard. You know, I mean, don't um, don't make it about you, really. You know, um, and yeah. and and don't sort of jump ahead of your capabilities too too quickly, and and don't um, you know don't try to run before you can walk, really, because. You know, I was I was certainly very guilty of that in you know the first bands I was in. You know, trying to do these, you know, I, I it's, it's, you just you can't just go and listen to like bloody Morbid Angel and then just jump on the kit and expect to be doing you know six sixteenths on the kick at, at that tempo. It's just you just can't. I mean, no. it, 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 no matter what your head tells you, no matter what you think, you can't. You've got to, you've got to you know you've got to build to it and you've got to practice and you've got to you know build up your um, your stamina and your and, and everything else and your and your chops. So yeah, I mean, you know, just play play what you're good at for, you know, obviously yes, everyone wants to get better and um and add to their their repertoire, their their toolbox of of techniques or whatever. But um but yeah, you know, just just do what you do, whatever you do well, do that. And then once you're good at something else, bring that into your into your playing. Um and then and then, you know, obviously the other thing then is 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 very much as you said, is, is playing for the song. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's funny, there's, um, there was uh, someone who was working for us at the, at the time um, when we when we started and we did our, our first album. Um, she was working like in our legal team and um, she said, oh, you, it's almost like, it's almost like you play drums like, like, a, like a pianist, like a piano player. Um, I was like, oh, it's funny you should say that because, yeah, that's kind of what I do, um, you know, what I've sort of my first instrument. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I think she was like a piano player or teacher or whatever. And she's like, you know, I can sort of tell by the way you do like the accents on the, um, on the symbols, you know, on the, like the splashes or on the, like the little, the bells and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's almost like playing like a drums, like a piano. Wow. Like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, that goes back to the way I've always, um, wrote especially for funeral because a lot of the time um the way an idea would 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 start from um a lot of the time would be from from chris doing a riff you know playing a riff and um you know a lot of them be quite complicated riffs um you know whether the amount of notes he plays or rhythmically or what and, and i would always just try to i'm almost seeing it like on a sheet of paper you know it's like his um you know, like it's almost like his 
riff or his score is there right. and I'm like there and I'm trying to go along with it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to sort of syncopate what he's doing and, and push certain notes out, you know, and highlight certain notes and um, things like that. So I've always, I've, you know, I've always um, written like that really and tried to really lock the, I've, for me, I've, I've always locked tighter to the guitar than I have in the, the bass. Maybe that's just me and the music that I've grown up listening to. But, um, but yeah, I always listen to the to the guitar first. I mean, maybe that's um, not the way necessarily should do it, or not the way everyone, you know, the purists would certainly say that it shouldn't be. You know, you should be locking in with your bass. But um, I guess that's just my style of playing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so that's another point, I suppose, is just play. To, you know, play if you find you've got a certain way of playing, a certain um, character to your play, and then embrace it. You know, yeah. everyone's different. So. Well, yeah, that's, I think, no, that's right. And as long as the, the whole band works as a unit, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, as long as everyone's working together, really. That's that's the thing about a band. And, well, that's uh, it. And it, makes, it makes interesting chemistry as well. You yeah, know, some of the, if every band used the same technique, everyone would sound more similar. So, I think, Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at some of the greatest bands of, of all time and the greatest drummers, you know, I mean, like... You, how how different would the police sound if it wasn't you know if Stuart Copeland wasn't in the band you know how different would um, Cream sound if Ginger Baker wasn't in the band? you know how yeah. would how would ACDC sound if they had someone who's like a you know a virtuoso player who wanted to throw fills all over the place you know it just it it wouldn't be the same band you know it no. wouldn't be the same same magic it would be yeah it just wouldn't be the same and and that's kind of how I've always um, considered my place in, in in funeral for a friend really when i drum is you know it's like i'm just drumming i'm drumming for this part of the, the, the whole picture really but but locking it it's always been like you know locking in with with, with chris had been the first thing and and everyone else would do their thing around it but that's just that's how i, I think that was um a really key element of our band because yeah. darren was such a you know is such a different type of player to to chris you know he's that sort of um you know the 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 sugar, the the pepper in on top. You know he's the he's spicing it up and doing <laughs> all these little things. You know you look at things he plays in isolation and you think, oh, you know that's quite simple. But um, you know you you hear the songs without his parts and um, you, it just you lose what you know the magic of what they are. You know why people love them. Oh, that's interesting. No, no it's, it's I guess you're you're one of the only people who would have you know you've been able to hear those songs without his parts to kind of get that idea of that so that's cool yeah, yeah well i mean you know what something a lot that a lot of people don't know is that that matt would always wait well more often than not always wait for darren to do his part before writing his melodies ah. because whereas i would um whereas i would sort of concentrate and lock in more with Chris Matt would lock in more with Darren and what Darren's doing most of the time interesting yeah yeah I mean you know I think a good a good example for people who are into the band would be um would be into oblivion um where basically that 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 sort of the high lead line that goes through the the song um that was kind of the starting point for all of Matt's, you know, Matt's melodies for yeah. that song. You know, Matt took 
a lot of the melody for that song from from Darren's parts, really. And yeah, um, yeah. And it, it, if you if you go through the our catalog, our, our back catalog of, of stuff, when you when you're actually thinking about it like that and you're looking out for it, you, I think you you hear it a lot. Yeah, I love it. I will. Cause, well, once we once we nailed this interview, I, I kind of gone back and listened to some of the stuff because I hadn't heard it in a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I probably I haven't finished yet, so I need to listen to it a little bit more. But yeah, it did make me realize that how much of a signature style you have as a player. Because um, I was just like, yeah, that's you can tell that's Ryan's playing just because you've got it's hard. I couldn't. It's hard for me to describe, but it might be that the, yeah. you're locking in with the guitar kind of accenting I could just tell oh that's you because I, I my initial thing was all right I need to double check which albums you were on and which ones you weren't I kind of knew it was you know the yeah. early period up until when and I, well, I wasn't sure of the last one but um I could just tell it was you I was like yeah that's Ryan that's Ryan just from you in so yeah, like I, yeah I listen back to those guitar parts and the, the vocal melodies and see if there's anything yeah. that stands out so yeah, it would very often, you know, more often than not, nine out of ten times, you'd be like, let, let Darren do his thing first, and I'll, nice. I'll, I'll, do, my, I'll do my vocals after, after Darren. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, that's wicked. Thanks for that. Um, hmm. One of the major downsides of my uh, career, drumming career, uh, you'll remember, was when I tore my rotator cuff ah. just before we were meant to be going on tour with you guys. Yeah. Um, so I still. I'm still getting about that. Um, have you ever had any injuries from drumming yourself? Do you have any warm-up routines or pre-show rituals or anything to avoid those kind of things? Um, the only, it's funny, the only real sort of injuries I've, I've, I've had to do with drumming has not been actually the drumming part, but I'd, I'd one, one night there was, there was really close to losing my finger in the, um, in the King Tut's Wawa hut in um, oh, yeah. in Glasgow, and I was literally walking down to the stage, and you you sort of come down from upstairs, and you got the the door then, and the bloody door slammed on on one of my fingers as I was on my way up to the stage, and I was like ah, and it was you know it's like when the intro is on, so you, oh, wow. like, you gotta go. Through it. I was like ah, it was just really really painful. I was like I was really lucky not. I was, not for it. It was just that close to being bloody chopped off. And yeah, played play the whole rest of the gig, and it, it was just like the worst gig. I was just dropping sticks ah. all, all over the place. Worst gig I've probably ever played. And uh, and the, only, the the other thing then it was, um, which is probably a good cautionary tale actually, is uh, so we were on tour in um, in, in in the states with uh, with a band called Story of the Year, and um, we were playing like it was the big hometown show. The tours in in um, in St. Louis, Missouri, and. Um, and unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to me, I had a, well, I know now, but I've got like a, an allergy and an intolerance to, to caffeine and, um, and oh, taurine. Right. Yeah. I mean, but I never knew cause I, I've never drunk coffee throughout my life. You know, I've never drunk tea, coffee, whatever. I just don't, and I don't drink fizzy drinks really, um, except beer, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was, um, on that, it was on that tour. It was, it was towards the start of the tour. I, I just, I, vodka Red Bull started to become a thing. You know, um, people were doing so. So I got in on that, and I, you know, you quite got a taste for Red Bull then. So I'd be drinking rod, vodka Red Bull in the night, and then in the day, then just drinking Red Bull, like you know, because. So then it, it got to this one show, and I woke up, and I was like, <clears throat> just felt like I had a hangover. Really, I was like, oh, you know, you feel like crap. You're like, oh, it's probably because I overdid it last night. 
but um, I was feeling rubbish all day. And I started playing the show and it started feeling really weird. I was like, oh, something's not right here. And I, and I started playing and I just started just slowing down. I couldn't, couldn't help it. I was in the middle of a song and I just started slowing down. And a bass player at the time, Gareth, looked at me and he's like, you're right, man. And, uh, and I just started slowing down. And I, just, and I just saw his face. He was just like, and he looked over to um, to my drum tech and was just like, and, and the drum tech was like, what? And then I just fell off the stool, like just completely off the stool. Wow. I was like, holy shit. And I was just like on the floor and I couldn't move. And uh, they had to like put me on a, on a stretcher and everything and take, get me off stage on a stretcher and uh, take me to hospital. And, um, and yeah, my, I basically, yeah, had like a, almost like an overdose of bloody taurine and caffeine, um, it just completely screwed me up on it. And, um, yeah, from since that day, I've never been able to touch, um, you know, any sort of energy drink or, um, you know, even coffee or anything like that. It just makes me so, so ill. Um, so yeah, so be careful on the, on the old, um, energy drinks are probably, uh, blown blown the old Red Bull sponsorship now, probably, but uh, (laughs) here you go. Uh, not, uh, that's that's mad did you so really from that day then you just did they tell you that's what it caused it yeah yeah they yeah they did, out, they kind of, yeah they did test you know they did tests on me and everything kept me in um for a good few hours and there um yeah yeah it wasn't good i like i am a bit i, I, I do drink you know a bit of tea and coffee right i limit myself to like one a day now um, yeah yeah because i'm aware of well, how it affects your sleep and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Read, read a book about it. Basically, it scared the shit out of me. So I was like, right, okay, calming down now. But I do have, I'm a bit of a sucker for the, the kind of sport, Lucas 8 sport drink when I'm on tour. I kind of have them for like, pre. I have one pre-show and then on stage with me. Right, that, right. I, I, I think it's caffeine in that, in that as well, isn't it? I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure there is. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, Be careful. That's yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, you know, I'm not. I, I, I've never really. That's what scares me. I see kids walking down the street with massive cans of like rock star and stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All day, like that's really bad. And well, yeah, in, in America, <laughs> it was mental because the, the 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 bus drivers because because the the drives from from show to show are so so bigger. They you know it'd be like twelve hours overnight or whatever. They just got these big, huge like industrial sized cans of. Monster or whatever else, you know, or, or even some of the the cheaper brands or whatever. And yeah, I, I mental, yeah. So I, yeah, I kept, kept well away. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't touch the stuff now. Cool. That was one of your scariest touring stories. What's your funniest touring story? God, got to be something. <laughs> oh, there's, 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 there's definitely a few, definitely a few. God. Um, just trying to think of which ones I'm allowed to tell us. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't say anything you shouldn't say. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was just just all, 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 all silly, silliness, nonsense, really. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of them. And there's, and there's, and there's things like, you know, that the, it's not that funny when you look, you know, like sort of meeting Rolf Harris and stuff like that. You know, oh, right. And, uh, yeah, hanging up, hanging up with... with 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 Rolf Harris and getting him to draw us like a nice Rolf Aru. <laughs> That's my randomly, yeah, you know, randomly um, 
<laughs> randomly meeting him at uh, one of the Iron Maiden shows we were on, and he came along, you know. And uh, it used to be used to be my pride of place, you know, my photo with Rolf Harris and everything. But obviously, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, things went things went a bit south then, and it's not not so much of a uh, thing to put on the uh, on the living room uh, no. <laughs> mantelpiece. Yeah, but but no things like that. I mean. <laughs> Well, one of the one of the good ones. I was a funny one. I remember actually actually uh, involves uh, involves you with um, when we were out on out on a European tour once, and uh, it was probably the first first time I'd ever met. Um, well, your dad and you at, at the time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We were on, on a festival in Europe, and um, was it Hellfest? Yeah, it might yeah. have been. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, we were out in Europe and. Um, and um, you know we were on whatever time we were on the day, and then and then moved ahead where we're headlining the stage. You were on then, and, uh, and uh, your dad, you know, did you like a Welsh accent or you know Valley's accent. And he's like, oh, where are you from, man, boys? Oh, if you're not from Brian, oh, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up uh, drinking Strongbow with uh, with with your old man oh, God. on that day, and uh, yeah, it's it so funny, man. He's just he's phoning up um, phoning up random uh, random people. He, he's um, uh, that was it. I think I had a, like a, I had a, I had a, like a wrestling t-shirt on, like a WWE t-shirt or something like that. And he was like, "Oh yeah, but he's a Paul. I am old Triple H." And, uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I, he's like, oh, phone him now, phone him now, Paul, Paul, you there, bud? Can you hear me?" <laughs> he's like, "Oh, he's he's, he's busy a bit, Paul. Oh, don't worry, bud. I'll phone him back after." There we go. That's probably why he doesn't answer his calls anymore. No, I don't know. <laughs> That's mad. Uh, right. so it, it was yeah, it was it was so funny, man. And that and that was um I think that was like late I think I remember like late two thousand four, something like that. Oh, and, right. um, and then it was, it was around that time anyway. And then we uh and it was funny after then because we went to um we were in we did a record in Seattle then, like a couple of months at the beginning of uh, two thousand five and uh, oh, cool. we mixed it with Terry Date, um did like you know, Deftones and um uh, Pantera and all that, and uh, and we were mixing it then in LA, and uh, as it was, like you know, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, and uh, and WrestleMania was uh, was in LA, so um, so you know, I got on the phone to our manager, oh, you know, see if we can sort us out some uh, tickets for WrestleMania. So got his really good tickets, and uh, remember that Motorhead was playing uh, Triple H's theme tune, then coming. Was it the coming one they through. played it live when they played? Yeah, it yeah, oh, wow, yeah. yeah. It was the one with Motorhead played live, yeah, yeah, which is uh, mental, which is great because you know it was a couple of months earlier where we where we'd met your dad, you know, and he'd got on the phone to old Paul or Triple H, <laughs> and this was the point, yeah, when they were playing him, playing him down to the to the ring in the Staples Center. Wow, and, uh, yeah, it's just mental. It's just just mental watching it. It was, it was fun. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, good times. What's um, who's your who are your favorite wrestlers of all time, man? While we're talking about wrestling. Yeah, well, like, you know, I got a couple of different eras. Started watching it in the, you know, when I was um, when I was a kid in the in the, the very early nineties. Um, this first Mania I watched was WrestleMania six, uh, which is the old Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior main event. So you know, those those two straight away were you know two of my um, yeah biggest uh, you know wrestling heroes. But but yeah, I mean, you know, always been a fan throughout the years. And people like uh, you know Stone Cold, uh, Stone Cold Steve, Steve Austin is. Uh, you know, legend yeah i mean you know because he, he, he was starting to get big right around the time that i started uh being 
you know, I was old enough to drink beer. So it was like, yeah, oh, there he is. There's, uh, there's Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give him, I'll give him a plug actually. Um, for, for anyone listening in the States, you know, he does, uh, last time I was out in, uh, in LA back in, was it November? He, he's, he, he's got his own, his own beer now in the States, um, his own IPA, the old Broken Skull That's it, yeah. IPA. Yeah. And they, they, they make it in the, um, they brew it in the El Segundo Brewery. Just, um, it's, it's right near LAX. I mean, it's like there's this really cool bar um, called Rock and Brews. It's like about 10, 15 minutes away from LAX. Um, and then right opposite the road then is the brewery, the El Segundo Brewery where, where they make it. So, uh, yeah, I popped in there last time and uh, brought a few cans home in my suitcase. It's, oh, nice, uh, nice. Honestly, yeah, it's one of, one, of the, one of the best IPAs I've ever had. It's, it is. Uh, oh, so it's super good then, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, that brewery is, is brilliant. I mean, you know, to... Two of my favorite things in the world are wrestling and beer. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's quite cool. Yeah, awesome. You so obviously they're all guys who have retired now. Well, well, yeah, or yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What, what are the current guys in the current kind of WWE or do you watch AEW as well? I think I do. Yeah, I do watch do watch do watch a bit of uh, AEW as well. Um, I mean, you know, they as like athletes and everything is you know they're all just really amazing now i mean sort of leaps and bounds from what people could do back then you know but i'm a bit of a purist you know miss the old the storytelling and, and everything you know and at least trying to keep it a bit real but um but no you know i still i, I, I still i still love, love, love it still love watching it I went, you know, I went to went to wrestlemania last year did the old um nice the whole weekend, you know, I stayed, stayed, um, stayed with, with, uh, with some friends out there, you know, who, who live in, in, um, in Queen. Cause it was in like New York, New Jersey. And, um, you know, the other stuff was in, was in Brooklyn and the NXT stuff and the hall of fame. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a load of the NXT, um, people come through there really good, you know, like all the, um, the Garganos and the Champers and the um, and all that. It's, it's really really good. It's, you know, there's a few really good people in uh, AEW as well. You know, like a old MJF is a classic. Yeah, uh, he's great man. And um, well, so there's a whole Jungle Boy. He's, he's really good. Um, yeah, some some good stuff, man. I, I mean, you know, I, I find myself these uh, you know not having as much time on my hands, sort of flicking through and. and and you know, um, chin highlights and stuff like that. Or, or if there's if there's a really good match on, I'll um, I'll sit through it and watch it. I know they got uh, coming up next. Oh, it's probably been on by the time this goes out. Would be the um, Adam Cole Keith Lee um, oh, cool. match on, on on NXT. Yeah, for the unify the NXT titles. So that'll be good. They're they two guys I really like watching. Yeah, I've, I I haven't been watching. Like you said, it's time. It's so much of it to consume, and there's only so much time you've got to actually dedicate. So I, I, I do struggle to keep up with all the WWE oh, so it's, stuff. It's pretty, much, it's pretty much impossible, man. You know, it's yeah. like um, it's like Raw is three hours, SmackDown is two hours, NXT is two hours. Yeah, you know, I mean, just for them, I mean, who's got the time to watch all that every nah, week? You know, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I guess it's good now because you can get like a highlight show on YouTube if you just want to skim through what happened and stuff. So yeah, you do that. I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, you know, I'll listen to listen to, to to podcasts when i'm like you know if i'm out in the morning you know, yeah. for a walk or a run or whatever or even if i'm like in the office here and i'm doing work I'll, i might you know chuck on the pot so if 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 they cheer up with oh you know do you, 
that match was great, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll go back and I'll sit and watch that, you know? Yeah, rather whatever. than sit through whole shows. Yeah, it's more realistic. Yeah, really, I mean, to... it is, I just can't do it. I mean, yeah, just nah. I'm good at time. I nah. mean, you know, I, I, str- you know, I struggle to have time to do to do much of it, you know, if, if it's not if it's not working, um, you know, with the management stuff, then you know, having having two kids at home in the in, in the lockdown and, and trying to do the homeschooling stuff as well, um, and then I'm trying to bloody I'm trying to bloody complete the Last of Us Part Two as well. Oh, <laughs> I I started it this morning, so oh, I, I'm a bit behind, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. I mean, I don't know how deep I am into it. I mean, I've been playing it for bloody ages. You know, I've been sort of um, it's been my like an hour or two, you know, hour and a bit every night before going to bed, you know, after the kids are going to bed and everything, or, or, and, and the wife's going to bed, or chuck down for for an hour or two maybe. Um, and I've been doing that for eight, and I don't know how far I'm into it. I think yeah. I think it's just because I'm just too fussy. I'm one of those I'm one of those people who's like searching around everywhere for little, you know, the trinkets and <laughs> shit like that. You know, I looking know for bullets, and rather than you know, some people are like ramming through the game and just <laughs> blowing everyone up. I'm like. Oh, I wonder if I can find another coin. You know what I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that. I search like every corner of every room. I don't know yeah. what this game is like, if it because I haven't got far enough to know if if it's that kind of game. But I'm so used to having to search places to to find items and you know, health yeah, man, or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is like that. You know, it's um, it's one of those sort of games where you can go either way. Whether you want to go, you know, play it like stealth or whether you want to just go all guns blazing um yeah. but um but yeah i'm 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 the old stealthy guy hiding me in the car throwing a brick ah, uh, nice. the, you know, <laughs> and then creeping behind and cutting people's throats you know, nice. just on nice. the game yeah yeah I'm not, just I'm not, the game not in real life you can't in real life <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you can't in real life that's awesome <laughs> no, you, man you no. yeah it's, it's, that's awesome like a you know you know i love gaming as well um yeah enjoy it man i'm sure you'll uh i'm sure you'll dig it it's really good yeah i will do um, last two questions now. Sorry, we get to the end now. What's what's your favorite yeah, country that you've ever toured and why? Favorite country toured. Um, I mean, I always had a soft spot for the states just because we spent so much time there. I mean, you know, it's it's got its issues. Um, yeah, yeah. As as have we. I mean, you know, we're in no position to. Uh, to get on our high horse um but you know i i i, I do love the place you know i love, um it's just something about um you know just touring across that just massive country and and you know, feeling like you you know you're somewhere different every day it's just got their own little uh characteristics and, and everything you know i just just had so many of the best times of my life there really um you know just, just so fun the, you know just yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the US, but Australia as well is another place where we've had, you know, we've, we've had some really good times, really cool country. Um, and Japan, I mean, Japan is just, man, you know, just, for people, anyone who hasn't been there, it's just like walking onto it, you know, stepping off the plane onto another planet. It's just, huh. it's just so different, um, just everything about it, you know, the food, the culture, the the shows, it's just, it's yeah. It's it's the furthest I've ever felt away from home. You know, it's um, it's the most different way of living. Um, it's re- really cool though. I mean, I, I've always loved loved Japan. Um, yeah, so that's, that's definitely one of my favorite places. Yeah, oh, awesome. I mean, I've never I've been to Australia, but I've never toured any of those three countries. So hopefully one day I get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, hopefully, yeah, yeah, man. Right then, 
final question, which is I'm going to ask everyone, apart from members of Funeral, who would be in your dream band with yourself on drums? Dead or alive, mm. as you can choose. Dead people, if you want. <laughs> I will. I will, actually, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, I'll uh, go, for, go for old Cliff Burton on the bass. Oh, yeah. Right. Good choice uh, there. Yeah, from Metallica. Because, uh, yeah, like I spoke about earlier, he's, um, yeah, he just just got his own style, man. You know, he's, he's just different to anyone. And, and he... And I, I would find myself, you know, in the way I was saying earlier, I find myself playing along to to the guitar. I think um, I think if Cliff, if I was in a band with Cliff, that would reverse. You know, I'd be playing, I'd be playing along with Cliff, um, just because because he almost plays like a lead player. Yeah, you know, okay. yeah. I was about you know, to say. He, yeah. So you know, you you I'd follow that. So so definitely Cliff, definitely Cliff. Um, God, guitar players. Whew. I mean, so many, man, so many. Um, yeah, there are there are so many guitarists everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh God, where would I even start? I mean, ask me a different, different. You know, day week probably. You know, um, you know, maybe Malcolm Young. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, just because I think me and Cliff could could do something pretty decent, like you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just, just that that comp. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I think yeah, it would mesh kind of nice because I mean, you know, they what you could call them simple riffs if you want, but but they're they're, they're just more than that, you know. They're just he just wrote some of the most incredible riffs of all time. Yeah. You know? so, just whew. yeah. I mean, you know, and if I was after a, a lead player, then as as well on top of that, I mean, you know, you'd be tempted. I'd obviously be tempted to be like you know get Angus with Malcolm because obviously that 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 there's. The, the dream team, but um, oh God, yeah, make, make it a bit different. I've, I've, I've Tom Morello up there. Ah, uh, cool. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, have him up there as well. You know, doing his uh, doing his thing, doing his unique uh, unique take on things. Um, so that'd be interesting. And then, and for me, you can only have Freddie up front, man. Freddie yeah. up front, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't really. You can't. No one can. Obviously, everyone's amazing in their own ways, but he's special. Was Man, special. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I could. I could choose a hundred vocalists on on different days, but oh, it just all come back to just imagine, man. You know, playing. Yeah. You're on the drums, and he's in front of you, commanding the audience the way the way that he did. I mean, yeah. imagine how it makes you feel as a drummer. You know, imagine. Imagine it just... It just boosts just, your confidence a lot as, as a band, yeah. just knowing. You do, don't you? You know, you look yeah. to your front man to, um, I don't know, take take charge of the of the crowd, you know, to, uh, to take control, you know, take control, take the mantle, take the, you know, take the gig by the scruff of its neck, I suppose. And I just, you know, with Freddie up there, you'd just be... Imagine, <laughs> man, yeah, I, I, just imagine, as, imagine, be, imagine being Roger Taylor at that Wembley gig, oh. you know, that, that live gig. Jesus, man, I mean, it just must have been, yeah, something else, something it else. Would, it would be mental. Yeah, but, and it's just yeah, the sheer just raw talent that he had vocally and well, and his, and his you know songwriting, and piano playing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. If he, you know, if he wants to wants to get the piano as well, and then, then, then by all means, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like a 
that sounds like a potentially amazing band. It's a shame. I, I was talking to someone yesterday about with all this technology, whether they, they someone could like make an app sampling riffs and vocal lines from all these different guys, and then yeah. you could like, you know, you could like pick different players and they'd like choose riffs at random, put it in the right key, and like yeah. give you an idea of what it would sound like together. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of work and science behind how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, cool. I think. Yeah, I think most of the fun would be in uh, in making it, wouldn't it? You know, putting yeah. it together, imagine. But but no, I, I think that'd be a pretty all right band. <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be awesome. No, well, thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, man, and, you know, for, you're very very busy man. And um, yeah, I think you've had well, you've mentioned loads of cool things to have about the drummers and loads of stories. I think a lot of the the, the listeners will find helpful, and hopefully there might be some funeral fans. We'll find some of the kind of studio stories interesting as well because it's a lot of things I didn't know about there. So uh, thanks for that. Yeah, and, uh, well, I hope so, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll we'll see you soon. Cheers. Well, yeah, April. We'll. I'll definitely try and come and see you in April <laughs> if I'm not on tour yeah. myself. Uh, I, I I have no idea at this stage, but cool, man. Thanks, Ryan. Cheers. Run for the Song Podcast. Fair play, Ryan. Thanks for that. That was wicked. I've known Ryan quite a long time, but there was loads of uh, stories that I'd never heard before. So I hope you enjoyed them too. The April 2021 Funeral for a Friend shows he was talking about. I'm pretty sure they've sold out now. There might be a few tickets left if you double check because they announced extra dates. And if you like your heavy music, don't forget to check out his side project band, Subtraction, where he sings vocals. If you're still listening, thanks for checking out the podcast. Let me know if you prefer this format where the longer interviews are split into two episodes or whether you'd prefer to just have them all in one episode. Or any feedback whatsoever would be much appreciated, to be honest, because I just want to improve the podcast for you. And don't forget to follow me on social media if you're on there. Dane Campbell Drummer on Facebook, at Drum for the Song on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to tag me in any stories when you're listening and let me know if there's anyone in particular you'd like me to speak to. If this Ryan Richards episode was how you discovered me, you can go back to episode one if you like and check out the amazing uh, conversation I had with Nigel Glockler from Saxon. A few other things you could do to help me out, which would be much appreciated, would be to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Obviously, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's an option to leave a review, a nice written review would be very kind. Thanks. That just about wraps it up for this episode. So thanks again, and I'll speak to you in episode four.